Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply this podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tired of the empty promises, the lack of effort. It's time you moved on to bigger, better, tastier things. Garden of Life Organic Creamy Protein with Oat Milk is plant-based protein that actually tastes really good. With 22 grams of protein in a silky smooth, dreamy bed of oats and deliciously rich coconuts, do your scoop a favor and don't settle for less. Garden of Life Organic Creamy Protein with Oat Milk. Visit GardenOfLife.com protein to learn more. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. State of mind. It's Friday, and that means one thing. My name is Laura Bradburn, and I'm joined, as always, by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? Not too bad. Um, uh, folk in the chat, if you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever you're watching Twitch, uh, you'll notice that we are a man down today. Um, I don't know if Jim has been doing a, an Ismalia Sorrow and been running about battering folk or what, but he's off the pod today. No, I'm, personal circumstances mean he can't be here today. Hopefully he will be back with us next week. Uh, but until then, 
I thought yeah, you were talking to me there, Laura, for a second. I was highly offended. A man down. <laughs> we will get it. has been said. It has been said. We'll get into things anyway. And apologies for the slightly wonky layout. We were um, obviously want to have our sponsors on the screen. And uh, I don't know, technology, Tony, what can we do about it? We, ca- we can't get our for- formation right, which is a topical, uh, topical <laughs> point of discussion. But again, we'll get into that. Before we do that, though, I just wanted to show something off, Tony. I think you might like this. My mother um, gave me this last week as a wee keepsake. What? Look at this. Check this out. Oh, very, very swish. Very nice. That is that is my mother's original Celtic supporter scarf from, not to give my mother's age away, but uh, we're talking late 1960s, and that is the original. So she uh, sorry, gave that to me as a keepsake and it will remain. So I don't think I'll be taking it to Celtic Park with me anytime soon. I don't want to spill any bovril on it and whatever, you know. Top souvenir. Top souvenir. Top souvenir. Um, but we'll fast forward from the late 1960s all the way up to present day and last night in particular. <laughs> the game that everybody wanted to happen, Betis against Celtic, finally happened last night, although... For obvious reasons, Batiste couldn't wear their famous green and white and were wearing blue instead because of their lack of variety in our kit colours, I suppose. But um, there are more important things. We'll start off on a positive note, Tony. The first 20 minutes, first half an hour, for me, one of the best first 20 minutes I've ever seen us play away from home in Europe. I thought it was a fantastic start. I couldn't believe what I was watching. What did you make of it? I wrote a column on the Celtic Way saying for the first half an hour, they look like world beaters. And they did with a makeshift team and then reverted to type, to type and looked like panel beaters after that, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> uh, defensively. But no, the first half an hour, I mean, they came out the traps and they were they were absolutely sensational. The first 20-odd minutes, you know, first half an hour. So credit to them for that. But again, circumstances dictated what happened after that, you know. So, but yeah, that, that, that was, I mean, that, it's a long time since you've seen Celtic start like that. You know, maybe maybe Milan when they went 2-0 up against Milan in the San Siro, but they didn't play like that. You know, they, they did go 2-0 up in Milan, granted, but they, they never played the way uh, like that. Let's, let's, let's be honest. But, uh, yeah, and that's what's the most disappointing thing about last night, the fact that they started like a steam train. You couldn't capitalise yeah. on it. I think uh, I think for me watching it, it was um, I thought it was a combination of things. We were definitely uh, hyped up from whatever Angie said in the dressing room. We were out to get them, and I think they were sleeping at the wheel a little bit from the start. I don't think they expected us to go for it from the off. Which, to be fair, I think in, uh, when you're the home team in Europe, you don't expect the away team to come out and go for it the way we did. But you know, we're we're sitting two 0 up after what was it? <sighs> 20 odd minutes. 27 yeah. minutes, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it, it, it all seemed to be going so well. You know, like the Ayeti was finding lots of space, working hard. Jota was getting a lot of a joy out in the left hand wing. Uh, the right hand side, I should say, was cutting an awful lot. Um, uh, Jota was one that I wanted to highlight specifically. I know, I know things went a bit awry, as we'll go on to later on in the game, but he was an absolute joy to watch you know, finding the space and, and taking players on, wasn't he? Listen, I thought he was one of the bright lights last night. Uh, had a, a really good performance. But I will caveat that by saying he had a, a glorious opportunity to make it 3-0. You 
Mm-hmm. I went for somehow went for a dink when I thought maybe a thunderbolt, but you know, or just hammer it would have been the better option, you know, because chances like that at this level they have to be taken. I'm sorry they do, and that's a critical, critical point in the match. Celtic go three nothing up, then you know that's a big, big, a big, big call and a big ask for Real Betis to come back into it, you know, and again. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he was very good, and I think given time, more game time, he will be a wonderful asset for Celtic moving forward. But just in those moments when I always say, yeah, I appeal for strikers to be calm in those situations. You know, not try and be too clever, and just concentrate on doing what you should really do in those situations. And a one-on-one is put it in the net. You know, mm-hmm. and it did come back to bite Celtic. But I thought Jota's overall performance. I, I did the man by man's last night, and my star men or guys that I gave seven to were Hart, Jota, Rodrik, and Ajeti. I thought those four, in particular, were, were the better performers for Celtic on on on, on last night. You know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I I was particularly impressed with Jota and a better end product, and he'll be he'll be a wonderful player. I think moving forward. It's always the it's always the thing about these wide players that you that you worry about. They're they're very often very good about taking on players and beating players, but the but the end product is where they can sometimes let themselves down. And and like you say, hopefully if that improves, he'll he'll yeah. he'll be a fan favourite at Celtic Park, one of the ones that gets on the ball and gets you out your seat when you're watching them. Um, just before we move on to the to the rest of the match and and what transpired, looking at your other star men, I'll I'll, I'll start with Joe Hart. Um, had a lot more work to do than he has in, in other matches this season, um, and I thought you know fared fared pretty well. What what was it about his performance that you particularly liked last night? I think he had a couple of brilliant saves. The header from the corner was was a brilliant save. You know that was that to me was vintage Joe Hart. That's what he brings. You know, and I I think his concentration levels are spot on. You know the Ross County save on Saturday. It was a, that was another pivotal moment in the match. You know when. He, you know, he had nothing to do up until that point. And then throws himself, you know, to his left and pulls off a, a great save. You know, you, you expect him to do it. That's what he's there to do. But, uh, you know, he, he, I, he just instills confidence, you know, and uh, Real Betis will try to get back into it and he pulls off that save and it, it just gives you a big lift. You just know there's, you know, I read a, a tweet or I read a message, somebody saying, if Barkas or Bain are in the goal, it finishes 8-3. You know, so... <laughs> That tells you all you need to know about the Celtic supporters' confidence in Joe Hart now, and I don't think he could be faulted for any of the goals. You know, no, I, I, was, I, was, I was going to make that exact point. You know, like yeah. I, I think you can, I think you can think that a goalie's had a bad performance because oh, we've conceded four goals, but at the end of the day, he can only deal with. There are yeah. some thing, there are such things as unsavable shots, and if he's not yeah. at and, fault for the goals, then it doesn't really matter how many he concedes. You know. And also think the third goal, he was really, really annoyed at Starfelt and Cameron Carter Vickers because he was making the point, how can a big, massive, burling centre-forward get a tap in? Why don't you pick him up? I think that was the kind of the gist of what he was saying. You know, the guy's hardly inconspicuous and he ghosts, and I mean ghosts in between Starfelt and Cameron Carter Vickers. So Joe Hart was saying to himself, come on, you know, that you're leaving me, you're... You know, you're leaving me exposed here. It's a bread and yeah. butter cross into the box. You know what I mean? Shouldn't come in the first place, but we'll go on to that. But 
you know, you're relying on two big guys to pick up their big guy. Again, I'll go back to Ibrooks. Do, do you want to get the big guys that are coming in to plant the ball in your net? How's about Martin, the centre forward that wants to plant the ball into your net? And I think that's what Joe Hart was. It kind of struck me as Joe Hart was saying, no again, how many times? Guys, you know, you, you need to switch on and at all times, you know, so... I absolved Joe Hart of any of the blame for four of the goals last night and he had about three or four really good saves as well. So, you know, as you said there, you can look at that and think, well, goalkeepers had a shocker, but he actually didn't. You know, it was those in front of him that never gave him protection that had the shockers. Yeah, I think um, there was only one of the goals. I think it might have been the second one that I felt he could have he could have uh, came out and closed the angle a little bit more than he did. But I think you're. I think I'm. I'm probably nitpicking as far as that's concerned. You know, I think he. I think he did have a great performance. I used to. I started this season saying Joe Hart's had a great performance through gritted teeth because we all know Tony that was not my. Uh, it was not my preferred option. But I have to say, time's going on, and I. I He's certainly one of my favourites in the team. I just love seeing somebody, regardless of what we've spoke about there, about his goalkeeping ability, which, you know, his shot stopping at least is, is not in question. Um, his distribution's a bit more in question, but I just love somebody with the attitude that he's got, the leadership that he shows. I mean, it, it speaks volumes that we've got certain players who have been at the club a lot longer than him, and he's got the captain's armband when Callum McGregor's not there. Tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? That's an experienced leader, I know. I'm of, I'm of the opinion that a captain has to see everything. You know, Callum McGregor's kind of the only one behind him is Joe Hart, you know, but he see everything. So I quite like that fact. He sees everything, you know, and and he has the benefit of wisdom and experience having played in, you know, a lot of big European games. So he, he can talk guys through things and, you know, and, and that will that'll all help. It augurs well moving forward, you know, and, I, and I, I'll give him a real credit for he's bought into it, hasn't he? From yeah. the get-go, from the moment he sat down in the press conference, he he was convinced that he was joining something special. And even last week when he had the wee tribute to John Thompson, you know, uh, in the warm-up and stuff like that, that, that's just a guy that gets it. And I think that those kind of players warm the heart and minds of the Celtic supporters. You know, they, they, they see that he's not just here to pick up the money. He wants to make a valid contribution. And you can see the state of him when he loses a goal. He's apoplectic. He's always looking for somebody to blame, apart from yeah. himself. You know, and I, think, I, I, th- I think the thing with the John Thompson thing, just to jump in there, is, you know, we often say, listen, players are not going to care about our club the way we care about our club, and I get that. But there's no excuse in the day and age of the internet not to know a bit of the history of the club that you're playing for. And I think it doesn't take an awful lot of effort, particularly if you're a goalkeeper, to be honest, because he can just, you know... Google iconic Celtic goalkeepers and John Thompson will be right yeah. up there. I mean, you couldn't have avoided the talk about John Thompson in the 90th anniversary in the last few weeks anyway. But regardless of that, you know, it, it really takes very, very little effort. And I think he's had a fantastic performance. David Bradley on YouTube comment, and thanks for your comment, says he's a leader and, and we definitely agree with that. Just moving on to your, your more positive um your more positive reviews before we get to, to what happened afterwards. Um, Ajeti, I was very pleased to see the performance that he gave last night. He was a physical presence up front much more than he has been. He was he was pretty mobile. I think the only the only sort of criticism I had of him before we came on air that I said was that I felt he's a little bit slow to to come back when the offside trap's getting played and uh, I think that's his only downfall. But 
What did you make of him last night? He, he seems to be taking this opportunity with Kyogo out and, and, and Yakimakis not up to fitness. He, he, he seems to be grabbing the opportunity with both hands. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the manager in this in this one. This is what a manager deserves credit because he's getting a tune out of guys who people would maybe have gladly ushered out the door. He's clearly got it into a jet. He's said, you don't play, we don't function, we might not score type thing. And they struggled last week when he struggled to have an impact in the game until late on. He scored two goals, scored two very good striker poachers goals. His goal, the opening goal last night, brilliant striker poachers goal. You've got to be there. And that's why the benefit of being there, it hits a part of your body and goes in the net. That's the whole point of being a, a predator and a penalty box striker. doesn't yeah. matter how you go in. It went in, you know. And then you see the presence of mind to just dink the ball past... Claudio Bravo as he's coming out, knowing the contact's coming and knowing, if I get my foot on this, he's cleared me out, penalty kick, right? And then buried a header, okay, it was offside, but still buried it, you know? It, it was offside, clearly offside, so I'm not disputing that, but he, he's the manager's given him some kind of, you know, renaissance, let's say it that way, by handing him this opportunity and saying to him, look, you have to be a main man. And he's took that mantle on board and, I agree with you. He ran about last night, which is not something that I, I'd seen from the previous uh, Ajeti. And yeah, nitpicking the slow to come back and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I guess he's getting used to this position as well. Where you know he's going to have to put in a lot more energy and run about a lot more in his shifts, and he's he's embraced that. And that's all the Celtic supporters want to see. And he's also added a, a couple of goals to his armoury as well. So good on him and fair play to him. But I say I, I think that's really good management. To, to give Ange credit for that too. Yeah, Kieran1888 on YouTube says uh, that Ayeti seems to have been anged compared to last season, so uh, he, he definitely agrees. And uh, we'll also leave him, uh, we'll leave Russell Boyce and Charles Sweeney in the comments, our very own Russell Boyce, to their, their bromance that they're having in the comments saying hello to each other. So hello to both of you and thanks for watching. Um, I think Ajeti, it's funny that you say that about him being in the right place at the right time because a, a, a striker that I always think about when I think of that type of striker is Filippo Inzaghi. And now I'm not comparing Ajeti as a player. I think he's probably got or should have more to his game than that. But, you know, people used to slag off Inzaghi playing for Milan. You know, that he was on the end. He, he had fantastic scoring records, but he was always on the end of moves that uh, he had nothing to do with and he was part of a team that had much better players. But And and he was famous for being offside. He was so he was so keen to be in the right position. But I always think to myself in that situation, there are times where... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You can pass, 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 pass the ball. At the end of the day, there's got to be somebody in the right position to put it in the back of the net. And if you're the striker that's there to stick a toe on it, it's as important a part of the move as anything else. Do you not think so? Yeah. There's that wonderful quote about Inzaghi, isn't there, that he was born offside? Yeah. <laughs> Legendary quote, uh, which always tickled me, always made me laugh. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, if you're a striker, you have to be in the right place at the right time. You know, uh, that anticipation of where the ball is going to be, you know, you, you, you cannot teach that. That's instinctive. And I think that's a Jetty's thing. He's instinctive because his two headers were instinctive last week. Yeah, he had a one, he had a one and one. And he, and he hit a powder puff shot. Team went in the goalkeeper's arms. I think some strikers, see when they've got time to think, it's the worst thing that can happen. See when they just do it instinctively. Bang, it's in the net. Because they'll know that they're, they're very little thinking time. See if you yeah. give some, someone like a Jetty thinking time, they overthink it. And then don't concentrate on what they're meant to be doing, putting the ball in the net. You know, whereas, you know, the cross come over from a badder last week there he was with a header bang the ball fell off the crossbar bang header you know these are these are you know that's that's the difference from sometimes with strikers you know Kyogo's a different kind of striker altogether as well so it's a, and Jack and Marcus will be different so it's a, it's a good mix but I'm liking the new Ajeti the one that's been anged you know and, and long may that continue for him personally as well I'm delighted for him getting a wee run in and he's shown what he can do and I think a lot of Celtic supporters' attitude towards him might change now as well. I hope so. You know, I, 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 and the thing is as well, like I know he was a lot of money, but you need, it's a squad game at the end of the day. This is a squad game. And for every Furuhashi who's banging in the goals and hopefully Yakimakis that, that is the same, you do need somebody who's perhaps not up to scratch, but is able to come in and do a job. And if a Yeti's good enough for that, then... Yes, it's perhaps an expensive option for that, but you know, I'll I'll take it over him being an absolute uh, dud as he's looked previously. So, um, thanks everybody for watching, um, commenting on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Twitch, loads of different places. Um, I see loads of people talking about the negatives of last night's game, which I'm um, we will get to because. Uh, Every time we talk positive, we're being too positive. Every time we talk negative, we're being too negative. We're trying to um, we're trying to strike the balance here, guys. So so give us a break. Apologies if anybody's seen any um problems with the the stream or anything like that. I don't think Tony or I are recognising any breakup in the stream, so it must be something external to us. Um, if you are having any issues, then we apologise for that. But unfortunately, that's out of our control. Um. Red Scotland disagrees with me on YouTube. Says a yeti has never looked like a dud to me, Laura. Never. Now that might be that might be sarcasm, Red Scotland. I don't know. It's hard to tell when it's written down, but I'll I'll take your word for it anyway. Um, Tony, we will get on to the slightly more negative side of the game now. The first thing being, uh, and I I, I saw a, a tweet earlier from Maravchik sixty seven. It was shared in our group chat, and he listed. I don't have it in front of me, but he listed numerous times where we've conceded multiple goals in a less than 10-minute period over the last few years. So yeah. it's not just an Ange problem, it's a Celtic problem. We did mm-hmm. it again last night. 
conceded two goals very quickly together, another two goals later in the game very quickly together. What What is the problem with that? We can say that it's just the defence being poor, but it, it's much more of an attitude problem than that, is it not? <laughs> if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be the Celtic manager, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to not offer the impossible questions and then just sit back and watch you try to answer it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's, it's certainly not an Ange problem, right? But we seem to... Why, why do we not have a problem getting into a lead? And then but the problem is shipping it. You know, we, we got ourselves into an unbelievable situation last night. Dreamland, really, with a makeshift team. And now this is where people might disagree with me, but at 2 nothing, it's all about game management then. And game management as well stems from the manager. You know, and the manager didn't really do anything for me to to protect that lead. You know, we still carried on the same way. Jot had the chance for three 0 and I know that's his way, and I know that's that's he's, he's stubborn that way, and I get all that. But at two nothing, you have to do something. You have to manage the game. You have to slow it down. You have to get to half time two nothing. You were in an unbelievable winning position there, and. Eight minutes either side of the break, has you've lost the game. You, you've, you've lost the game, you know, and, yes. and it's and it's inconceivable, and it's inconceivable because the four goals could easily have been avoided. So we take them all on merit. It's a pure defensive header by Ralston, right? Jota is not really tracking back, and Sorrow eh, at the edge of the box. He's challenged or half-hearted challenge on eh, Miranda. You know, it's just unacceptable, right? So he walks you through and scores, right? The second goal, Carter Vickers, watch the big guy running off you. Don't even mm-hmm. attempt to play offside, just match his run, right? Sleeping, switching off. Third goal, Sorrow, not even attempt to block out the cross, but it comes from Anthony Ralston's side. Where's he? You know? Mm-hmm. And then Cameron Carter Vickers and Carol Starfelt again. Letting a, a big guy, as I said, a centre forward ghost in between them, sticking it 3 2. And then the corner, second balls, anticipation of that. Roger could have maybe got a bit closer to Wanmi, who swivelled and, and found the bottom corner via the post. Every goal you can you can stop, right? Preventable. It's not as if they've yeah. cut you open. It's not as if they've cut you open. You know, when you turn and you say, hold your hands up. And I think that's what was getting to Joe Hart. They weren't having to work hard to score. And they have to yeah. work hard. Especially when you're two nil up. They have to work hard. And see, and, and that's and I'm no I loved a lot of what I saw last night. We've spoken about it at the top of the programme. You know, twenty minutes in and we've we've praised them, but it's the game management side of it, and I include the manager in that. Mm-hmm. Now for me, and we're going to come to him, Soros a liability. Soro should have been hooked after eight minutes because he was lucky to stay in the park for the initial challenge, even yeah. lucky to stay on the park for the next challenge. And then, as I say, he's attempted trying to stop Miranda and attempted trying to stop Rico. Lamentable, inexcusable. And for me, Soro has not got it what it takes to be a Celtic player. And the thing about it is, it was ill-disciplined performance from Soro, and he's a repeat offender. He keeps booting, yeah. keeps booting people and laughing. You know, as if that's a substitute for giving you dynamism in the midfield. It's not. 
you're clearly not conforming to any team pattern. You're just doing what you want because you keep doing the same thing. You keep going out and clogging opponents, picking up a, a red, sorry, a yellow card and walking a tightrope, putting your teammates under pressure. That's what he yeah. does. And I, I want the manager to see that. You know, and I know he did see it. And and you look to his bench and you think, what could he possibly have done? I tell you what, I'd have done it to nothing. I'd have played anti football. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point that you raise about sorrow, though. Um, uh, and just before we do that, don't gift sub me on Twitch. Has asked where Jim is. He missed the start of the show. No, he hasn't been suspended uh, after <laughs> last week's performance, like you suggested. He is uh, dealing with some other personal issues uh, this week, and will be back with us as soon as possible. But to go on to sorrow. Um, I think I think what frustrated me about it was, I mean, wh- when did he get booked? Was it about 20? Eight, eight, minutes. eight minutes. It was as early as that, right? Okay. Um, and honestly, I would have hooked him then. Well, this is, this is the thing. You, you said there, you know, I want the manager to see it. I'm going to give Vance the benefit of the doubt and say that perhaps he thought, I'm not hooking him after eight minutes. However, th- there's a bit of me that thinks, you can't take the risk when the initial challenge, as you said, and as we said before we came on air, to me, the initial challenge, if that had been a Betis player on us, I'd have been shouting for a sending off because it was studs up. It was, it could could have broken the guy's ankle for me or or broken his foot. And I don't, I don't think I'm exaggerating and saying that I'm sure a lot of people will think that I am, but, but then after that, he's battling in behind folk. He looks as if he actually doesn't know how to commit a proper tackle. And you're in a situation where if that's the main part of your job in the team, if that's if your job is the Neil Lennon role or the Makalele role or whatever you want to call it, where your main job is to break up the attack, but do it in a way that doesn't get you in any bother. The minute you go into a yellow card, he's not even get that option later in the match of going, oh, well, I'll take a yellow card just to stop this counter-attack. You know, like plenty of times we see that type of thing yeah. where it's it's a foul that everybody's aware of. You know you're taking the yellow card, you're taking one for the team. He completely left us out of that option. And I, I just thought the more that I see him, the more I just think he's just battering about having a laugh. And if I was on his team, I'd be going, what are you doing? What, what, are, you, what are you getting us into bother for when we don't need to? Laura, I could have got sent off for the second one and put his team in real bother, which is why I would have taken him off. Mm-hmm. Because I knew he had that in him again to go steamrolling into somebody, and he did it, and it was only the leniency of the referee that he stayed on the park. Because Betis were crying, screaming for him to be sent off, and he should have been sent off. You know, and I, I just don't think that the penny's no drop my sorrow, and I don't think Ange fancies him either, but needs kind of, you know, it was a needs-must situation last night. But he just let him down. From eight minutes on, he let him down. And I, say, and I say to myself, you can't have that old discipline in your team. And I, I and I say to myself as well that I don't think he'll ever make it as a Celtic player, and certainly not the way Ange wants to play football. And if that's the case, then he shouldn't have been anywhere near last night because he did put his team under pressure and he did it from very early. And we've watched Sorrow many times and it's the same pattern, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just the same pattern on repeat. And clearly there's a penny not dropping or... He just he, he's just playing for himself. Mm-hmm. There is no team ethic in him, you know. And as again, using that running about kicking people as a substitute for energy and 
getting wired in. Nah, not for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think um well well I'm gonna put this to you. I'm gonna play devil's advocate, Tony. I am I am twirling I'm twirling both ends of my well, I hope imaginary mustache. I'm sure people in the comments will tell me if it's imaginary or not, right? Peton is not a good central defender. We all know that. We all yeah. talk about the, the meme or the joke that has become Beaton playing at central defence in the Champions League qualifiers. His original position when he came into the club was a ball-playing defensive midfielder who, to be fair, when he did come into the club at first, looked like he had a bit of quality in that area and could put his foot on the ball and calm the situation down. Do you think he's a better option than Sorrow going forward if we... You know, we've got we've got a few options at centre back now. We don't need to rely on Beaton as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Do you think putting him back in the midfield is a perhaps an option that's that's better than Sorrow? Well, you know, the, your revisionism tells you it probably would have been last night. But I mean, yeah. Ange could have done a couple of other things as well. Could have brought on Liam Scales. Liam Scales has been playing and he's up to speed. You know, and you could have put him, you know, in his natural position and move somebody forward, and you still had defensive midfielders, if you get what I mean. You were protecting, mm-hmm. or you were trying to protect a 2-0 lead. So these are all things that players have a natural position for a reason, right? So you, when Celtic go 2-0 up last night, your thought is defend this lead. So bring on defensive-minded players. I know it might go against your nature, but you know you, you were in a, a wonderful position with with a team that you look, looked at and thought, they might get cuffed, you know, and they didn't. They played above themselves for half an hour and, and everything went your way. Everything was spot on. And you get yourself into that dream position where you think, you could actually win this. So the, the very least you take from it's a point, isn't it? You yeah. don't go home with nothing. You don't go home with nothing having scored three times in Spanish soil. Yeah. I just, you know that, and that's what really frustrates you because there was some wonderful things about last night. But see when it comes down to it, see what undid is game management from the manager and the players and basic elementary defensive mistakes in two eight minute periods that saw you shoot yourself in the foot. You know? Yeah. And and you just think to yourself, that was another winnable game. Mm-hmm. It was. Well, well here's a here's a <clears throat> Here's a question for you before we move on to looking at, at the Livingston game on Sunday and the, and the weekend ahead. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about um, about the ongoing situation with our lack of a CEO, because I know we haven't had a chance to discuss it on the Friday show um, as yet. Um, when we meet them back at Celtic Park, I have to say... I didn't fear an awful lot from them. I know they scored four goals against us, but I think the way we cut them open in the first 20 minutes, if we combine that with a Celtic Park crowd, I, I don't particularly fear them coming. I, I could see us getting three points, and that might be a little bit naive of me. And that, I think, is what's frustrating me more about last night's performance. I felt we matched them. We went toe-to-toe with them, and that is despite... Let me just pull up... Um, uh, our, our big boss man Paul John Dykes in our chat this morning was having a we were having a bit of a back and forth. It was actually a really interesting discussion about the about the the sort of benefits and, and not so good points of the game last night. But Paul listed 
some of the players that were missing from last night's game that we might have back by the time Batiste come to us at Celtic Park. So you've got McGregor, Kyogo, Abada, Julian, Taylor, Dembele, Johnston, Beaton, Forrest and Yakimakis. Now there's a couple of those in there that I don't think would make a, a, a huge difference. I'm not going to I'm not going to single them out, but um, certainly, you know, we're missing almost an entire other first eleven, and surely with some of those back, the way the guys played last night, the team that we were up against, you could see three points being taken off Betis back at Celtic Park. Surely. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. There's no surely about it, Laura. I think Celtic can win all three games at home. I, I said that when the draw was made. I, I don't look at that group and have dread and fear. And I certainly don't have any... Any anything like dread or fear with Real Betis at home? My my, what I said was I expected Celtic to probably beat all three and take something in their travels. And last night was the ideal opportunity to take something in your travels, you know. And the Martin O'Neill's first campaign, they won the three at home and got you know, and still didn't qualify with nine points by virtue of the fact they never took anything on their travels. You know, you'd hate to think that this would turn out to be something similar because the, the Stratling says it all. Was defeat a missed opportunity or does it offer promising signs? It's a, it's, it's a healthy mixture of both, you know, because there was some real promise about Celtic's display at times last night. But it was, I mean, it was a missed opportunity because that team was supposed to go there and get cuffed on paper, you know. And, that, and as you say, all the players that are coming back, Celtic will be better. I keep saying it, Celtic will be better in the weeks, months and matches to come. But you have to deal with it here and now. And we knew all these guys were out before the ball was kicked. So we had to make do. And I get that that's extenuating circumstances and the manager will never look for excuses. You know, you'll never ever say that. You know, he was dealt, he was dealt a rough hand. But, you know, we didn't make the most of that, even if it's a rough hand, you know, you because you got again, you manoeuvred yourself into a winning position, and from that winning position, we've managed to make a pig's ear of it again. Mm. It's just a, a recurrent theme, and Celtic supporters are, you know, they 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 can't put their finger on it, and a succession of managers can't put their finger on it, and it, it's troubling more than anything else, you know. That, it is. It is, it's troubling, but uh, to, to to make you feel a little bit better, and thanks for everybody watching on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh, LinkedIn, there's a bunch of places you can catch us. Uh, David on Twitter says he believes that we can take nine points at home from the group as well, um, so he agrees yeah. with you. Maravchik25 on YouTube's commenting that although we're missing a lot of players, uh, Batista are apparently missing six first-team players as well, so, you know, it could be a... Could be a different prospect for both games, but like you say, we have to deal with the here and now and, and, and what we've got going forward. So it'll be an interesting uh, return leg, if you like. I know it's a group scenario, but it'll be an interesting return game um, when they do come to Celtic Park. But looking ahead or, or, or slightly uh, closer in the future to, to the game at Livingston, we've talked um, the last couple of weeks when we were looking ahead about the Tony Macaroni being a bit of a... Uh, sort of a, having a bit of a hoodoo over Celtic. We, we don't tend to do very well there and we tend to 
come across it a few times uh, in the years that have gone by. Based on our away performances this season and the position that we're in, whether we will or won't have certain players back, how do you th- see things going on Sunday against Livingston? I'm still expecting the green shoots of recovery, Laura. I, I fully expect Celtic to go there and win. And I'll maybe even take it further and say, I, I think if they can play anything like they did in that first half an hour against Betis, they could win quite convincingly for once in Livingston. I really yeah. do. I, you know, I, you have to give them some credit for the way they did perform against a, a quality side last night, you know, and, and, and as much as we focused on the negatives there, but there were some things to really be positive about last night, you know, and you touched upon it, they cut them open in that first half an hour, they really did cut them open, you know, and, and again, that's with a team that isn't normally going to be your, your you know, starting eleven, you know, so I, I think, I think if the players are, you know, they have to take confidence from that, certainly, that they went toe-to-toe for long periods with a right good team, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, and I think they now have to, you know, start believing that it's that it's not a mental barrier that they can't win away from home. So what better way than to shake off that, or get that kind of hoodoo out the road and go and win, and, and go and win convincingly on Sunday against Livingston, go and, go and put in a, a similar type performance the way they played in the first half an hour and then maybe the way they ended the match because they, they came on strong a wee bit at the end as well. You know, and Anthony Ralston gets a goal and for for a few seconds you thought you could get a point out of this, you know, but uh, game management, better sort out, you know what I mean? So you're back to that old, uh, you know, so, but, the, you know, it, it was a game of, of fine margins, but if you defend the way Celtic did, then is it any wonder you're conceding that amount of goals? You just can't do that at any level. No, it's a, it's a it's a disappointing one, and I'm just looking as I'm talking to you at at the table at the moment. You're talking about uh, Livingston, who have lost the last four of their um, league matches and drew the the opening match of the season. Um, they have, you know, not managed to score an awful lot of goals. They have conceded an awful lot of goals. I think they've only scored two goals and they've conceded nine. You know, so we're in a situation where. If we're going to get an away victory against anybody, it's going to be them because they really have started to have started the season poorly. Looking at um, one player that I'm interested to talk about, um, George Yakimakis, I would like to see him ready to go for Sunday. I don't know if that's going to be a possibility. I don't have any information to tell me otherwise, but it's a bit of a strange one, don't you think, that, that he's not been come in and been ready to go you know I've been to- I've been talking to a few people on Twitter and things like that and sort of saying what has he been doing the whole pre-season if we're in a situation where he, he was signed you know however many weeks ago it is and, and we've still not seen hiding or hear of him yet <laughs> it, baff- it baffles you doesn't it that you would sign a striker who's not first team ready and fit mm-hmm. and ready to go you know I, that that kind of baffles me why you, you bring a guy in and we say, ah, but it's going to take him weeks to get up to speed. This man's a professional athlete. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, even if you're not playing, surely you're ticking over or you're keeping yourself fit. You know, so I, I would, again, that's on the question I would like answered, Laura, as well. Why is George's Giacomacus not ready to at least feature at some point on Sunday? You no, know, maybe come off the bench. 
because like every new sign supporters are desperate to see what they can bring to the table. They've watched all the YouTube clips and yep, scored scored a variety of of decent goals. You know, so now you want to see him. So where is he? <laughs> you know, where's Georgios? <laughs> you know, so uh, and like you, I would like to see him, and I'd like to think that he's not far away from yeah. being included in the, you know, in, in Celtic squad for for uh, Premiership matches at least. You know, because if he's not, then why why did they buy him? Yeah, I'm seeing a few folk in the chat saying he's as much as... Uh, I mean, I didn't see um, uh, Ange's press conference this week, um, but there's some people suggesting that Ange has said he's as much as three weeks away from fitness at the moment, which three weeks I think, Yeah, I find a little bit... You know, I would have thought... Fair enough, I know match fitness is a different kettle of fish altogether, but... I'd have thought there'd be a certain level of fitness that he would have kept up over the summer in this modern day and age that he would never be three weeks before he can play a game of football. But, you know, that's maybe naivety speaking on my part. Um, looking at the other positions and things like that, um, how much did we miss Callum McGregor? And, and nope. if he comes back in, you know, hopefully we can see see the benefit of he's he's suffered a little bit from the James Forrest syndrome I think of some people thinking that we can do without him and then we do without him and you see exactly what it is that he brought to the team we lost one heartbeat of the team in the summer and that was Scott Brown mm. and I when you replaced it with another beating heart Callum McGregor and if Celtic supporters don't know what Callum McGregor brings to the, the table then I'm sorry you know you only need to look at last night to show what you were missing. I, I wrote a column in the Celtic way last week or the week before saying if Callum McGregor gets injured, Celtic are stuffed. And it's it's come to fruition. You know, one game without him and, you know, they, they lose goals that he, he, he would have been there to help shore up. You know, he would have just his presence and even at 2 nothing, you know, they could probably have gone on and, and managed that game. He would have been an inspiration. He would have helped, you know. So, uh, he was sorely missed last night, sorely missed. And I, uh, you, you're now appreciating Callum McGregor's worth. I think Celtic, most Celtic supporters will appreciate his worth and what he actually brings. And he's quite an unassuming captain, but he's took to the role really, really well. And uh, you know, even that just taking the ball from the defence and playing that pivot stuff, you know, it's changed his game. But no complaints. You know, he's not spat the dummy. He's not said to the manager, I don't want to do this. It's a wholehearted player who loves the club and loves it the fact that he's now a, seen as a linchpin in that team, which he is, you know, and you, yeah. remove, you remove him from that team, you you remove a bit of the heart and soul of Celtic. And that was, there was, it was more evident last night than ever. Having said all that, um, I think everybody agrees that he's perhaps been overplayed the last few years. He, he's, he's, yeah. you know, there, there, there's perhaps a. I, I personally think that Ange knows that, and that's yeah. why we've seen him being getting taken off in games. We never used to see him getting substituted, mm-hmm. and and you know, it, although it was said that he had a knock and missed the game last night, you know, again that might be management of his condition. I think we're going to have to play a lot more games without Callum McGregor this season than we have done previous seasons. And to be honest, I think it's absolutely um, justified. Do you think? Do you think we can 
manage enough without him in the games that we are going to miss him to to still keep up our performances or do we rely that heavily on him that every time we're without him we're going to struggle? I'd like to think not, but on the evidence of last night you would have to say that what you said, the latter part of that sentence is probably going to be true. Mm. You know, but this is this player's played an astonishing amount of football in the last five or six years. I think he's his average minutes are like they're over five thousand. If you yeah. break it down, uh, past five seasons, that's incredible. That's an incredible amount of football. That's an incredible amount of you know to put your body through that. Yeah, he, he's never he doesn't flinch because he wants to play. He wants to play at all times, and he's been quite fortunate as well that he's never been injured. He's never. Had a long term injury to to my knowledge, has he? Because he's just not that to, not that I'm aware of, no. It just seems to have been an ever present. And again, another one that's maybe been taken for granted a wee bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when he you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Well he was gone last night. You know, and what a big, big hole Celtic had in that midfield. You know, just and just just his presence is inspiring. You know, you need again another one who he just gets it, just knows what it and knows his role. He's comfortable in his role and he's comfortable in his skin, comfortable in a Celtic jersey. And you know, I I've got nothing but admiration for Callum McGregor and especially what he's put his body through for club and country and never once flinched or shipped it or said, you know, or, or took a dive. Maybe thought to yourself, nah, you know, I'll I'll sit this one out, boss. He's the first guy that says maybe carrying a knock, but I'll play. So whatever knock he's carrying You'd rest assured that kept him out that game last night. He, you know, so I just hope that it's not serious and he misses two on the spin. I hope to see him return on Sunday. But again, would the, would, would the surface come into play there as well? Would you risk him on that kind of surface if it's a, you know, traditionally Celtic don't fare well there? And, you know, so will Ange think I've got enough to cope without him for this one, especially on that surface? So these are all things that the manager has to factor in because I wouldn't want him rest on that surface if it's something that could, you know, could flare up or niggle again. So I, I would say if that's the case, if he's touching go, then I would maybe prefer to leave him out because we've got bigger matches to come. Uh, but again, <laughs> the player might say himself, "I'm not 100, but I want to play," <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and then that's the manager's call, then, isn't it? It is. Um, my, my way of looking at it, and I see a couple of people saying so in the chat, that, you know, uh, as far as McGregor's concerned, if we can do without him, then we probably should against Livy just to give him that extra mm. bit of time to to recharge. But like you say, McGregor's um, determination and, and, and you know, competitiveness and willingness to, to play, you don't play that number of games that he has done without a real desire to, to pull on the shirt and the... That might be easier said than done, but it will be interesting to see if he's there. Before we go on to talk about um, other events at the club off the playing field over the last week or so, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about as far as the playing thing's concerned is, is Christopher Julian. Now, we we have heard various dates of when he may be able to return, October being the latest one. A couple of things that have sprung to mind for me is, you know, is he going to be a is he going to be a welcome return to the team? Is he all he's been cracked up to be? Do you think absence has made the heart grow fonder? And also on top of that, are we going to get the same player back that we've had given the severity of the injury that it appears to have had? We'll find out when he plays and he rushes headlong into his first 50-50. If he does that or not, 
I think footballers, when they get an injury like that, some are reluctant to commit to those things, but others just say, right, it's now or never. You know, and I, I think Big Julian had a knack of scoring some important goals. You know, you felt comfortable with him at the back. He would just he just looked like a big reassuring presence, didn't he? Even if he you know, he he's not all that himself, but there's certainly a defender in there. You know, and I think when he comes back he'll be a welcome return. You know, a lot of people were touting him as a captain, possibly, uh, in front of McGregor. Uh, when it was up for grabs at the end of the season. So that's how highly he's thought of. And again, another one who's embraced it, seems to get it and enjoys it and uh, brings the best out in him. So we'll soon find out. But like you, I think everybody's just interested to see if he will be the same player or a shadow of the player that he was before, before he got injured. And let's not forget, he, he clattered that post at some rate or not. You know, yeah. And the TV screens, when you watched it, you you heard the thump. You know, it was pretty nasty. And with knee injuries, I don't think you leave anything to chance. This guy has to be a hundred percent fit, or you run the risk of wrecking someone's career. So I know it's taken long, and people, it's the uncertainty of August, September, October. Christopher Julian will return when he returns, and not before, because you want him to be. 100% fit and ready to throw himself headlong into the demands of this season. You don't want him to come in for a couple of weeks and then suffer a setback. So I, I'm quite happy that Celtic seem to be treating this with the reverence that it deserves and not wanting to throw him in because it's a needs must. And, you know, so I, I look forward to seeing him back and I hope if he can recover and rediscover the kind of form that he showed before he was out then Celtic will, you know, will want to watch because I, I think he's still quite an accomplished big defender and, a, and he will be a towering and reassuring presence at the back of the pack, which is still still needed in my opinion. Yeah, I hope so because I think uh, I, I, even for, for his own sake and for his personal um, sort of mental well-being and things. I hope we can get back to full fitness and, and you know, deliver us a, a couple of good seasons um, off the back of this injury because what you don't want to happen is for such an unfortunate event as what happened with the clattering in the post to be to be the last that we see of him. Hopefully it won't be. Um, so all the best to Christopher Julian and uh, hopefully he's back uh, playing in green and white soon. To close out the show, Tony, um, I was trying to think back before we came on today about exactly when Dom Mackay's uh, departure was announced and then remembered that I uh, did the the emergency reaction podcast with our very own Paul John Dykes uh, only a few hours after I'd been on the bulletin. So I hadn't really had a chance to discuss it with you. I know you've been on the Monday Club this this week, so there will be some people watching who've seen your thoughts. But for anybody who, who usually watches on a Friday, and we thank everybody that does, what were your thoughts on it? I'm interested to hear it because I, um, I've had a lot of time to reflect this week, obviously, after the initial... Uh, reaction that we had I actually personally don't feel we were far off in some of the stuff that we said even though that we don't have much more to go on but what what were your first reactions to it and where do you think it leaves us at the moment? My first reaction and I said it on Monday was that I genuinely wasn't really that surprised by it Mm. you know and Paul John said to me uh, you know 
and we asked about Peter Lowell leaving, and my reaction to that was, has Peter Lowell left? That's what I said. That, that's, those were my words. And I just kind of left it in suspended animation. You know, it's just such a strange one, isn't it? 72 days, you know, and and I also said that anything now is just conjecture and rumour, and the only person that knows what happened is is uh, Don Mackay, and because he signed a non-disclosure agreement, the truth will out maybe further down the line, but he's the only one that can nail this in any shape or form, and true to form, you know, we did say that uh, there's a narrative coming out from Celtic because that's what happens in East England break that certain journalists who have access to certain information will write certain things and that narrative comes out. So you, you read various things, you know, so you, you try and join the dots and, and read between the lines, but it's not long for anyone to be in any kind of position. And, you know, everybody was saying it's just, it's the old board being anti-modernisation. I don't know if that's true, but that's that's the wild speculation that's going around, isn't it? You know, and that was uh, Don Mackay's big buzzword when he sat side and going to make Celtic a, a world class club and modernise the whole, you know, the, the whole club, you know, off the field, you know. So sadly, sadly for him, it's it's not come to fruition. He won't be the man to see that through, and it's always sad when somebody leaves their job, but. I think his, his departure has thrown up more questions than answers, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and, I, and I've said before, you know, fans don't care about these things if you've got a successful football club. You know, Michael mm-hmm. Nicholson came in as the acting CEO <laughs> and I joked on Monday, I shouted, who are you? Who are you? You know, because I, I didn't know who Michael Nicholson was. Why should I? You know? His and, face wasn't even on a banner, so... <laughs> you know, <laughs> correct. And if you're not on a banner, then, you know. Uh, you know, so... But I don't know what these guys do at the club, so I don't want to wildly speculate as to what they do. What I, what I can say, I said, you know, the, the most important people at the club are the manager, players and the supporters, and always will be in my eyes. I, I genuinely, bold figures don't interest me unless they're impinging on the success of the football club which is why last season we get so annoyed because we felt that those guys didn't arm the manager to have a, a full tilt at the 10. But mm-hmm. see, in general, if, if you're a successful club, then you should only see your CEO once or twice a year when they're announcing the figures, things like that. You know, you, they, they don't have to put their head above the parapet because if they stick to what they do best, then, you know, a club like Celtic should run pretty smoothly, shouldn't it? I think. Mm-hmm off the field, but it just always seems to be these petty boardroom squabbles involving certain members and, you know, and it's things that maybe I don't understand, so I I, 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 I stay out of it in that kind of sense, you know, because I, I, not that I don't know what I'm talking about, but you might be wildly off the mark, you know, but you can still criticise people when you don't feel that they're doing their job to, which is for the betterment of the of the football club and the success of the football club. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, I, I I kind of agree with you in that the timescale of things was a little bit shocking for me, but I wasn't overly, you know, b- bowled over by the fact that I heard the news. I I, I thought, 
Dom McKay, you know, you, personally, I don't really want to hear too much from a CEO if he's doing his job correctly, but it was clear mm. from, when Dom McKay came in at the start that he was willing to be the face of the football club and was doing a lot of public gesturing and uh, grandstanding and, and and that kind of thing. So for it to go from that to as quiet as it did, you know, you did wonder what the change had been. And like you say, we're, we're not here to... We, we did do a bit of speculation on, on the reaction pod last week because I think, to be honest, you, you know, we're a fan podcast and, and that's that's what we do. Yeah. Um, we, we are none the wiser, but we we what we do know is that we're in a situation where we are a little bit rudderless. At the very least, we've gone back a few steps because mm. we've appointed somebody who was already in under the old regime. Um, now perhaps I'm doing Michael Nicholson a disservice, perhaps he's got new fresh ideas that Peter Lowell didn't have, we may never know that but leaving all the speculation aside as as we want to do where do you see us going forward in the current situation do, are, are, I've not heard anything about them actively looking for a CEO I've not heard anything regarding you know, what the plan is going forward, perhaps they won't share that with us. Where are we at? And and do you think that do you think we're gonna see any major changes at the top before the end of this season? Well the one thing I did like was Anne's made a point of mentioning Michael Nicholson and said he got on well with him. Which struck mm-hmm. me as being a good thing to say. You know, that the two of them could work together as long as he leaves Ange to do the football thing. And I think that was kinda of Andy's, you know, Morse code for saying I'll do the football thing. That's on me. You just do what you do and I'll not interfere as long as you don't interfere with me. You know? So I think that was a kind of wee shot over the bounce of saying, yep, like this guy, he's, he was, we've had good discussions, you know, I'll work with him. Because I don't, I just not bother with these things either, I don't think. He's a training ground manager. He, he He's never happier when he's on the training ground with the players and, and being involved in football matches. Ange doesn't want drawn into squabbles. You know, because he was asked a question after the Ross County game about the boardroom shenanigans that happened Friday and Don McKay leaving. And I think his response was, if you think my focus was on nothing other than the Ross County game, then you don't get me at all, which I love. I thought, brilliant. You know, get, get a real kind of statesman as your manager. You know, a, a, a real confident, you know, talker as well. You know, great public speaker and just handles everything with dignity, you know, the, the way you want a Celtic manager to behave. Now, he's not stupid. He knows he has to work with people upstairs. But as long as the people upstairs don't impinge on his job, then he's like you. You'll see them when he needs to. Mm. You know, and the relationship can be fine. It can be cordial. It can be whatever. But if you don't annoy him, he'll not annoy you. Do you get what I mean? You know, and, I, and, and it's up to Celtic then to... To appoint these people and get it right, you know, it's not up to Ange. You know, but Ange might have to go to them in January and say, I need money for X amount of players. So there has to be a relationship there, you know, and it has to be, you know, it has to be a, a good one. But I don't think, uh, I don't think Ange is the kind of guy that will take people telling them what to do on the football front. So, and I think those, those lines have been clearly demarcated. Yeah. So I, 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 and uh, moving forward, if, if they're looking for somebody, then they've certainly not made it aware publicly, have they? That they're looking for somebody. And Michael Nicholson might just be, you might find the acting part comes off that, and he just sort of 
goes in. And if that's the case, then that's fine. Because as, as I alluded to, Anne seems to think that you can get on with him. So, and if you don't hear from him again, I'll, I'll be a happy man because you don't need to hear from him, do you? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to make that exact point. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people saying we need representation on the board, we need uh, we need more women on the board, we need this, we need that. Now, I'm sitting here as a woman feeling like I can say this. I don't really care who's on the board. I don't care if it's two men and ten women. I don't care if it's all men. I don't care if it's all women. All I want is for the Celtic Football Club to be successful and whoever the person or people are that can bring that to us, if it's Michael Nicholson, even though he was in before um, with Peter Lowell, if he's the man to bring it, fair enough, go ahead, do it. I just don't need to hear about it. I saw um, Terence on YouTube, I think uh, your comments flashed by, but he, he said he's, he's not disinterested in the board, but he is sort of losing interest in the same conversation going on and on. Believe me, we are on this podcast talking about this as we have done for months. We are fed up talking about this side of things as well. We want to talk about the team, about the results, about the signings, about the competitions that we're in and what we are doing going forward. Exactly, Tony. Like, how often were we talking about Dubai and yeah. other things last season? Anything other than the football? Ultimately, yeah. what I want is a board and a CEO who do nothing but bring success to the, the club. I don't care what their name is, what their face is. That's and, and that's it at the end of the day, is it not? And I think that's the beauty of Ange because we have been talking about the football. Yes. Since he came in, and that's what gives us all optimism and hope. And the only thing that would uh, remove that is if the board members feel that they can cannot work with Ange and his position becomes untenable and he leaves. And that's why I think people were getting up in arms and about Dom Mackay leaving. You know, does that mean the manager's going to leave? I, I think the manager loves it here. Absolutely mm-hmm. loves it here. And he, he he's telling you that and you know, the board would really have to shoot themselves in the foot uh, if they got shot of the manager. You know, it would just be it'd be inconceivable, really. You know, and incredulous. But I think that's the great thing about Angie's got people talking about the football club for the right reasons again, playing a decent brand of football. Well, you know, going to be competitive this season without a doubt, and things are moving in the right direction. And from what he, the shambles he inherited. I think that's all you can ask. But there has to come a, a cut-off point when we stop being a work in progress, as I said before, and, and we get to work. you know. And I think that's kind of happening slowly but surely. But once he gets the personnel and the players all fit and the, the continuity and selection, then you'll, you'll, you'll see the best of Celtic, thanks to him. Uh- I 100% agree with that. I think we've got the right man at the helm. There may be some teething issues, but like you say, he's reliable and he says what he means and he means what he says, I think, as well. I think we're going to have to leave it there, Tony, because I've heard a few people, I've seen a few people in the chat starting to talk about American football and NFL and stuff. So it must be getting time for us to to shut up and depart. 
thanks very much to everybody for watching on all the platforms that you can. Don't forget to like, subscribe to, to a State of Mind YouTube channel where you can get football content, you can get music content and lots of other stuff to come. Uh, if you do subscribe or if you are already subscribed, you can also be entered in our uh, prize draws for subscribers where we're giving away lots of things. We're giving away uh, music disc displays, we're giving away posters, we're giving away all sorts of stuff. So, so get involved and uh, you can be handsomely rewarded for your support of our channel and, and our content. Thanks very much, Tony, for joining me on this Friday and we will see you again on Sunday for the match coverage of Livingston at the Eti Spaghetti Had. That's what they're calling it, Spaghetti Had these days. Thanks very much, Tony. Thanks very much, everybody. We will see you later. Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.